called Stories of the Bible. And last week we uh, opened it up where we, we, we peered in at the Garden of Eden. And we looked at a story around two characters, Adam and Eve. Uh, but more than that, we didn't just look at Adam and Eve. We looked at the two trees. We looked at the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we connected those two trees throughout the canon of Scripture and realized that they are actually an illustration for much of the tension that we're living in. We're constantly deciding between the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so this reality that, and then Revelation tells us that Jesus will come back and become, he, he will be the ultimate tree of life. There will be a new tree of life in eternity. But uh, with that, we mentioned as I was connecting throughout the biblical story, I actually got inspired for today's message while preaching last weekend. And we talked a little bit about how the burning bush is actually the, 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 the early um, readers of the scriptures, or the readers of Exodus, would have seen the burning bush as, as a small example of the tree of life. It was God's manifest presence in a tree on a mountain. And that it was a part of connecting it through the story. And so we're going to dive into this story. It's one that I actually mention often while preaching. I think this is a brilliant story that gives us lots of pictures and consistent themes throughout Scripture. But I've never actually unpackaged this text um, with you guys. And so I'm excited to dive into Exodus. We're going to start out of chapter 3. But i, I got to backfill. I don't want to assume that everybody knows Moses and his life story. At the very least, many of you guys have seen Prince of Egypt, so we're doing okay. We're off to a good start. We kind of have like this basic understanding. But, but there's a lot to this story. And Exodus, uh, we know, was written by Moses. And so this is a firsthand account. This is an autobiography. This is him telling his story. And I think it's important to, when you read a text, understand, okay, when we were in Genesis, the Adam and Eve, that was not a firsthand account. This is a firsthand account. And, and how many of you know that when someone's telling their life story, they're very intentional with the moments and the parts they choose to tell you, right? And, um, and they're going to they're gonna emphasize certain things that were of deep meaning, to their life. And so Moses is going to share with us a turning point in his life, a marked moment. If you look back on our podcast and you missed it, listen to the sermon I preached on memorials. He's about to have a memorial moment uh, with God. And, and he's basically in a season where he is shepherding his father-in-law's flocks. He had, uh, right, he had been born an Israelite, a Jew, and, and he had, uh, Pharaoh had went to take out a bunch of the young male babies, and so he was protected by being put in a basket, being sent down the river, and he was found and was actually raised in Pharaoh's palace, almost as a prince, and was raised up in this. And as he got to a certain age, he started to get enraged. He never forgot where he came from, and he got enraged by the enslavement of the Jews, and he actually kills a man. And, and after killing the man, he flees the city. He flees um, and goes out to the wilderness where he begins to build a new life, gets married, begins to build this life, becomes a shepherd, and is watching the flock. And that's where we're looking in at this story. This would be um, a moment in time in Exodus chapter 3 that we're going to read. And it says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Again, this series is not just about isolating stories, but seeing the bigger picture. This is a bigger picture moment. we got to pause here. So in this bigger picture moment, what you see is the relationship between the desert and the mountaintop. And this is constant throughout Scripture. There are wildernesses, 
There's deserts and there's mountaintops. And, and what it usually looks like is a season in the desert and a moment on the mountain. <laughs> and if you've lived any life, you know that it's seasons in the desert <laughs> and it's moments on the mountain, right? That, that, that there are long stretches where it's in the wilderness and we're grinding it out and it's difficult and it's hard. And then there are these holy places, these holy moments that God calls us to where, where he inspires us to action, where moments take place. So, so he's in the desert, he's in the wilderness. And for Moses, if you want a story to give you hope that, uh, you know, there's going to be more desert seasons, just read the whole story of Moses. He keeps finding the desert, right? He keeps ending up in the desert. And uh, so here he is, he's in the desert. But he's going to the mountain of God. And I, I mean, this is where I'm starting to maybe uh, assume some things. And so I don't want to go too far down this track of thinking when it comes to the scripture. But here he, he notes that he was drawn to the mountain of God. I wonder if there was a part of him that was struggling a little bit in the wilderness. He was a little, 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 little weary. Do you think that maybe he felt like he blew it? Like, like, like God, you had me in the palace I was in Pharaoh's household. I had influence. I had affluence. I had so much I could have done to help your people, and I blew it. I killed somebody. It's over. I, I could have helped. I could have done so much in that palace, but now I'm out in the wilderness, and, and man, this is just really discouraging. I'm just watching sheep. I'm a shepherd. I felt like I could have done something more, but here I am, and I'm in the desert. And so here he is. He's being drawn to the mountain of God. He's being drawn to what he knew was a holy place. He's being drawn to this moment. And it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then a few verses go on. They, just for the sake of time, I'll paraphrase. They begin to have a conversation. And God says, I see the plight of the Israelites. He instructs Moses to take off his sandals. It's holy ground. And they begin this conversation of I've called you. You've got a purpose. I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. You, you may have made this mistake, but I'm not finished with you yet. And so I need you to go back. And in verse 10 he says, and, and so he says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. To bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want to pray real quick over this story. Would you guys pray with me? God, I just pray that, Lord, as we unpackage this text, God, we just believe that this, the, the, these verses mean something today. God, that this story means something to each and every one of us today. So, God, would you bring revelation to us? Would you speak to us? Would you show us applications today? Would you show us how to walk out of this room uh, made a little different, made a little more whole, made a little bit better, God, by your presence and by your good and pleasing work that you're doing inside of us? So, God, I thank you for every single person willing to come on a Sunday morning and get around your people in your presence and hear from your word. Speak to us, God. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So this story is awesome, and I'm really drawn to it. Part of the reason I, I bring it up often is, is I love that this is one of those inspirational moments. I, I love a good inspirational moment. I, I love the moments where something 
just captivates you. Because here we see Moses, and he's just doing his business as a shepherd, and he notices this bush. He notices that it's burning, and then he sticks around long enough to notice that it's not being burned up, and he is inspired. And really from this story and from this text, I want to talk around the word inspiration today. And I wonder, church, what inspires you? What are the things that you've done, that you've walked through, things you've seen, things that have happened to you that has drawn inspiration out of you, that has made you feel something incredible, that has made you increase passion for something, that has fired you up and made you excited? What is that, those, those people, what are the people, the places and the things that have just drawn your attention and inspired you? And you really, what I find with inspiration is sometimes you never really know when it's going to hit, right? Like it can find you in moments where you least expect it. I remember the, the fall I was heading off to college and uh, I was in a theater and I went to go see Toy Story 3, right? And uh, Toy Story 3. And, and I'm sitting there totally just ready to enjoy the movie, thinking nothing major is going to happen. And here unpackages this story where I'm the exact same age as Andy. And here's Andy, and he's there with his toys. And at the end, he's saying goodbye to his toys while he's loading up to go to college. And he's handing off his toys to somebody else. And I realize my imagination is dead. When was the last time I held my toys? And I'm sitting there sobbing in Toy Story 3, just inspired. You want to know what I did? I went straight home and I unpacked those toys and I held them and I tried to do their voices again, but it was weird because my voice was deep, you know, like it wasn't my little childhood voice. And right, I was just inspired and, and I held on to those toys and now I get to live those toys through my son, right? The same big teddy bear that protected me protects my, protects my son when he goes to sleep, right? I, there's inspiration. I didn't know what was coming for me at Toy Story 3. I didn't know what was waiting for me. Men, it's okay to cry at movies, okay? It's okay. Just don't let anybody know, and definitely don't publicly share it from a platform with a microphone. <laughs> There's lots that inspire me. There's lots of things that inspire me. And when you look at, well, who are the people? Have you ever been inspired by people? R Renee and I, it was so formative for us when we went through premarital counseling before we got married. And, and, um, and actually, there was, I, I don't even mean this in a bad way, there was, all these different, you know, we were in a large church. There's lots of pastors, and we actually, there was a couple in the church where we go, there's something about your marriage that we want. And so we actually asked this couple in the church, will you do the premarital counseling? And they went through the whole training just to do our premarital counseling. But the reality is we picked them because we knew there's, there's, something, there's something about you guys that inspires us. There's something about the way you build your home, and not just the stuff, but the culture there's a culture in your marriage. You guys are still having fun, and you've been married for a long Like, there's something on you, and we want that in us. We were inspired by them. And then every single time we'd go to their house and get poured into it, inspired us. We still talk, you know, 10 years into our relationship, we're still talking about the advice that they gave to us, right? And, and there's something about people who inspire us. And, and maybe you see somebody or you follow someone on social media that just tells you something. And, and it's like, man, I don't know what it is, but when they talk, I, I'm inspired. And and I want to do something different, right? There's, there's people can inspire us. There's, there's places that inspire us. How many of you have that spot? And you're like, man, it's that spot that I go to 
for different things. Maybe it's one to be just sit in the peace and quiet. Maybe there's a spot you go to when you're emotional. I had my, in high school, I had my emotional parking ramp. <laughs> I'd go to the top of this parking ramp that overlooked the city of Egan when I was like in a mood and like all up in my feels because I was a high school kid. I'd go sit there and be moody up on this parking ramp, right? <laughs> when I got broken up with, I'd go up there and be like, <laughs> you know, and you're just having a fit. Um, <laughs> I watched too many 80s sitcoms, I think, and I was just like up in my feels. I, you know, there's just there's these moments that, that, that happen in places that inspire us, and we'll go out of our way to find that inspiration. And I mean, you know, things can inspire you. Come on, food is inspirational, people. It is. You get a good bite of some really good food, and you're like, oh. And it also can kill the inspiration, you know. We just went to Charleston re- recently, and everyone said it was a foodie spot. Nope, it's not. Charleston does not have great food. We tried all kinds of restaurants. We're like, no, what is with this cold taco? I don't want cold steak and a flour tortilla. Where's my nice? Who's going to heat up the oil and make it crispy and my corn tortilla and street tacos? I don't want this flour junk that's cold and lifeless. I want to, come on, it needs to match. We were in an inspirational place, but the stuff wasn't so inspirational. The food wasn't very inspirational. But people, places, things, where, where, what is it for you? Where do you draw inspiration from? What's the who, the what, and the where for you? It's part of the reason I wanted to dive into the stories of the Bible. Do you know stories can inspire us? Stories can move us to action. Stories can do something inside of us. And Right, it's that whole thing we talked about in the boldness message, the word for the year. Come on, if he did it back then, he can do it again. It's a timeless um, thought that runs throughout Christianity. If he did it back then, he could do it again and hear the stories and get inspired. But inspiration is really a part of the human condition. Whether you feel like you are living a pretty dull life, every single one of us could list moments where we felt inspired. I've never met a human who's never been inspired, who's never felt something or connected with something or been drawn to something or been moved by something or seen something. And inspiration, by definition, just to make sure we're talking about the same thing here, it literally means this, the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, and I love this part, especially to do something creative. I love this. I love this. Do you know that you're a creative being? You don't just have to be a painter. You don't just have to be a musician to be creative. You're creative. You were created in the image of, of a creative God. You're creative. You have the capacity. But you can sit on creativity or you can cultivate it. It's your choice. So we can do something. We can feel something. But I love that twice it says to do. To do within the definition. The point of inspiration is not just to be inspired. The point of inspiration is initiation. The point of inspiration is that we are inspired to do something. You see, this moment with the burning bush was not just so Moses could feel a little bit better and just keep on being a shepherd. He was inspired to actually initiate something in his life and to go and do something and make a change. It's the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Inspiration has to lead to initiation. you got to be creative. We got to think outside the box. We got to do some things. We got to get excited. We got to keep the inspiration fresh. We got to keep moving forward. But when we look at the story of Moses, and I want to go back to the text now, 
and dive a little bit. Let's unpackage it. Let's break this down. There's actually some ways that Moses was inspired. It was not just a singular inspirational moment. I think one thing we need to understand that we need to really look at is where he was inspired. The reality that he was inspired in the wilderness. We read it again. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I firmly believe that we serve a God who loves to inspire us in the monotony of life. I remember on Easter Sunday, he meets us where we're at to lead us where we need to go. And some of you guys right now are in a season where it feels a little bit like a desert, a little bit like a wilderness. And you're going, I'm not getting a lot of inspiration right now, Pastor Sam. I'm kind of looking around. It's a lot of the same. It's a lot of sand for as far as the eye can see. I'm kind of struggling in this moment. And I believe we can draw hope from the fact that Moses got inspired in the midst of the wilderness. He got inspired in the midst of a season where he's kind of wandering. There's a bit of aimlessness to it. Lack of direction, lack of purpose of where he's going. And and, and we see something begin to happen where God meets him there. I wonder, church, what places do you frequent that have grown tired and comfortable? When I said what places inspire you, do you have any place that used to inspire you but no longer captivates your attention? Have you asked why? Why did I grow numb to this place? It used to be a treasured spot. It used to mean something to me. It used to be a place that was special, and now I just kind of drive by it. I kind of walk by it. I don't really notice it. I don't really connect with it. I don't really pause and and look. See, I I firmly believe Moses could have walked right by the bush and not stuck around long enough to realize it wasn't going to be consumed by the fire. He had to pause long enough to realize that bush is not burning up. It's still burning. Why is it still burning? Allow it to pique his interest. We need to start looking for miracles in the monotonous. What's monotonous for you? What's the grind? Rise and grind, people. Let's go. What's the thing? What's the thing? What, What is it for you? What feels monotonous? What has become dull? What has become dry? What has become boring? Because sometimes then what we start to do is we want to blame the circumstance rather than blaming our attitude. God's been challenging me on this. Was that really what's going on or is that just your attitude you brought into that situation? Did you just carry a bad attitude and you corrupted it? You made it what it is. You saw it from that negative perspective. You chose to lose out on the inspiration that I wanted you to draw from the season that you're in. You stopped looking for the bushes. You stopped looking for the miraculous because it started to get monotonous. Here's the reality. Life is short, right? The days are long, but the years are short. I think it's a really helpful thing. We can get so caught up in the monotony of a day, and then all of a sudden we look and we go, did I just waste three years? Like, what? Like, what? Like, how old are my kids? What's happening? The years are flying by, but the days, man, the days. Same places, same faces. Same place, same place, same place. Come on, we need to look at our locations with some fresh eyes. We need to bring back the inspiration. We need to bring back the excitement. We need to bring back the life. Sometimes even with our home, Renee and I will feel stuck with our home and they'll say, hey, let's just paint some walls or do something. Let's just re-inspire this place so we feel excited about it again. We need to look for miracles in the monotonous. The next thing is we see what inspired him. And we could just say, oh, well, it was God, and that's a piece to it. But before God, what was it? It was a flame. 
There was a fire that wouldn't go out. So he was inspired by this fire that wouldn't go out. Let me read it. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought to himself, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Here's the reality. is for many of us, when we think about supernatural inspiration, we want it to look sort of otherworldly. I actually think sort of Marvel and DC do this to us, that like when it's supernatural, it has this weird look. Everything looks strange and crazy and weird, right? And that, that, that we sort of start to think that way. Sometimes Hollywood's picture of the supernatural, and yet so often the supernatural move of God is God using the natural and making it supernatural. In fact, all of my supernatural moments with God started very natural. It's a bush on fire. It's just his creation. Here's the reality. Who are we to tell God how he can use his creation? Well, that's just, that's just his creation. That's what it is. It's his creation. He made it. He knows the best use. He can do anything with it. And sometimes we get so caught up, right, we get bored with the places, but then we start to get bored with the things. And it's like, ah, the stuff, the things. I'm used to this. It's normal. I've seen it before, Pastor Sam. Yeah, I drove by that beautiful rain, double rainbow over, over the, the whole North Metro a couple days ago. I drove right. I didn't even notice. I didn't need to stop and say, I've seen a rainbow before. We can get so caught up, and yet, don't you guys remember that a rainbow is a promise from God? It's not just for, for it wasn't just, it's literally a guarantee he's not going to flood the whole earth again. Like when you see that rainbow, it's like that's a promise of God. God sees me. God knows me. I can have a supernatural moment with this natural rainbow. Because God's word literally says this is a mark, something we can take, something that we can celebrate. Wow, look at the rainbow. God's promise still stands. The promises of God are true. I can have a moment in the presence of God with something like a rainbow. But here he uses a fire to consume that which is natural and make it all of a sudden into a supernatural miracle. And, and fire, again, when we're looking for what ties us throughout all of Scripture, God throughout Scripture shows up in fire, whether it's a pillar of fire, whether it's tongues of fire, whether it's Deuteronomy or Hebrews, both Old Testament and New Testament, calling him an all-consuming fire. And I think sometimes we're scared by the, him having a title around fire because we're like, yo, fire burns. Like, <laughs> that's freaky. Like, I don't know. It's a little uncontrollable. But here's the beautiful thing about fire and the picture he paints for us is that he's the kind of fire that's going to burn down the parts of your life that have no business being there. What his fire does, what his fire does when it shows up on your person and you get inspired by it, it's like, it's like the fires that are burning metal down and the impurities are rising to the surface and the metal is being purified. His fire wants to come and say, hey, all that stuff, all that junk that's draining you, that's keeping you stuck, that, that's killing you, I'm going to burn that away and what's going to be left is who I made you to be. I am your creator, I know your proper use and I'm going to take the natural to, to, to create a supernatural natural moment that's going to begin to do a work in your life. Let me help shape you. Let me help mold you. The all-consuming fire means it's very similar to the idea of even us going under in baptism. It's like, hey, it's covered all of you. It's burning away all of those things. He's taking care of the whole. It's this amazing picture that we see. And there's this reality that he's inspired by this flame. 
God shows up in the flame and his presence begins to remind Moses, hey, remember how you gave yourself the identity of a failure? I never said that to you. Hey, remember how you decided that you no longer have a calling and a purpose to free the Israelites? I never said that. You said that. And my fire is burning away those lies. My fire is burning away those things that makes you think you got to stay in the desert forever. I've called you to something, and so I need you to move. I need you to go, which leads us to the third way he was inspired. God actually used a deep-seated passion within Moses. We know this, it was deep-seated because he was willing to honestly kill out of anger rose up in him. He had so much passion that he didn't know what to do with it, spilled out in murdering somebody. That's how much he cared about the plight of the Israelites. God in this burning bush moment did not create passion for, God's, for his people. Moses already carried that. He's reminding Moses, don't you forget your people. Don't you forget where you came from. Don't you forget the passion that you have. And here, uh, there's a who that inspires Moses. And who inspired him? His own very, his very own people. So God uses this burning bush moment to remind Moses of an inspiration that he needs. And he says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then he said, followed up with, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So now go. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh, we got some music playing or something? Let's go. <laughs> right, now go. And this is where the keys can come on up. But this is where God took the inspiration of a fire in an unusual place and reminded Moses of his true motivation, his people. And I think there's a bit of a, pro a progression here. That Moses was the kind of person who was looking for the miraculous within the monotonous. Same places, same faces, same thing, but what if God shows up? He's looking for the places. Come on, he, he starts to see something natural and he watches God turn it into something supernatural. And here, as he's pressed into this holy moment, in this place with his shoes off, encountering the presence of God, God says, hey, don't you forget. I put a passion inside of you. I put something inside of you for a people. I put something inside of you for my people. I put something inside of you. You've got a purpose, and you've not walked away from it. You're not done with it yet. I want to remind you, selfish inspiration, church, is going to be desire-based. Healthy inspiration is people-focused. You see, when we get inspiration that's desire-based, it's almost like, there's just nothing wrong with it, but it feels like a Netflix show that you binge, right? It's just inspiration for you. You feel good while you're watching it. That's not overtly sinful. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm enjoying it. But it's not the kind of inspiration that goes and changes the world very often, unless it inspires something really, really cool in you. But we're just watching it, right? So why we get those pangs in our stomach when the show's about to end and you're on the last episode and you're like, oh no, is there not another season? I thought there were six seasons. There's only five seasons? No, there can't only be five seasons. I'm not ready to be done. Like I'm connected to these characters now and I live in the world of Downton Abbey and it can't be over. Like, no, I'm inspired. That world doesn't exist anymore. I can't live in that world unless there's more episodes. Oh good, there's a movie coming out. Whew. Okay, good. All right. Okay, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. Whatever it is, right, there can be this inspiration. It's just kind of about you and 
feeling good, but then there's something greater that God offers us. He wants to offer us a healthy inspiration that has a greater motivation because it's people-focused. Say, I want to inspire you to create something not just for you, but for others. You see, when we kind of go through inspiration to initiation, and we end up on creation, now what did you do? You took your inspiration, you initiated something, you created something new, and now you are offering inspiration to others. Because how many know when Moses comes on the scene with his staff and miracles start happening, how many know the Israelites start rallying around him? He starts moving and things begin to get created by his motion and people start jumping on. He starts inspiring the Israelites that they could live different, that they don't need to stay stuck forever, that the, the life could be different. And some of us need to start getting some fresh eyes on the natural and realizing it can become supernatural. And start going, hey, actually, if I do something with my inspiration and I initiate something and I create something, other people are going to be drawn to it. And I can help motivate other people. I can encourage other people. And, and it's so beautiful when he shows up in those ways. And it could be, like, it could be so simple. And yet often we are embarrassed by what inspires us. Honestly, one thing that our house is consumed with right now, the Grosso home is consumed with baby chicks right now. we got six baby chicks. And we, we have a coop, and we've got six full-grown chicks, and now we've got these baby chicks. And, and we're teaching our kids, and we're inspiring our kids through these baby chicks. Hey, this one's yours. What are you going to name it? Okay, now you've got to take care of it. Here's some responsibility. Here's what you got to do. Okay, now guess what, Rocco? It's so cool. You see him when he's this small. He can fit in the palm of your hand. It's going to make you appreciate her so much more when she's big and she's grown. And you're, we're learning these lessons. We're walking through it. And it can be something as simple as chickens that bring great inspiration and fuel creativity in our kids and in our household and, and God can show up in that. No, we can't use chicken, Sam. Those are just for meat. I just want a good chicken thigh. That's all I need from those chickens. No! God made them. Again, it's his creation. He can use the natural and turn it supernatural. He can show up with baby chicks and inspire us to create and live differently. But guess what? A lot of our friends, right, and live in the city life and they see that and it's almost like, whoa, are you guys like turning redneck or like what's happening? Like <laughs> chickens, like there could be judgment. I don't care. Right? Who cares? But we do that, right? I'm just using a small example. We'll be like, ah, but I'm inspired by this thing. But if I tell anybody about it, that one's kind of embarrassing. The world doesn't applaud the fact that I'm really good at knitting. I don't know. I just said knitting. But maybe it's like, whatever it is. And we're just like, we get caught up and I don't know. And is that inspiration a good inspiration or a bad one? If you're inspired by it, it's good. And it's really good if you're inspired enough to initiate some change and make a difference in the world and be a net positive in rooms you walk into and actually be somebody that when you show up on the scene, you inspire others because you're creating such a great work with your life and people see it and they're drawn to it and they're actually drawn to the image of God as a part of it. And we got to get back to a place where we can say, hey, God, I want to be reminded of what it looks like to be inspired by your word. I want to be reminded what it looks like to be inspired by my life. God, would you show me the bushes? Where are the bushes that are burning all around me? Where are the miracles in the monotonous? Where are you trying to show up? Who are you trying to call me to? Where am I supposed to draw some inspiration from? But we cannot afford to go through life just numb and closed off and stuck. Your life is so precious. 
You've got an amazing life God has called you to live. But we got to be willing to build it. we got to be willing to initiate it. we got to be willing to go out on a limb and make something happen.